0: Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. If you weren't here last week, I'm gonna challenge you to be here every single week because we're going through the book of Ephesians together, and it might not be verse by verse, but we're definitely going, at least right now, verse by verse, and it's a really interesting passage Uh, of literature, and again, Paul, the apostle, he's writing to us, and remember, this was 2,000 plus years ago, and what I said last week is, we're gonna go into Bible school mode, okay? We're gonna go to Bible school, and we gotta learn the intrinsic nature of what Paul is trying to share to the Ephesians, because I don't know if you, you didn't know this, but when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he was writing to the people of Ephesus. He wasn't writing to the Americans in Southern California. He was writing to a specific people at a specific time and there were specific issues that were going on. Thank God that the God who wrote the Bible, 66 different books, many different authors, the scripture says that those that wrote it, Paul that wrote it in jail in Rome. He was in jail in Rome right now as he's writing this letter to these people. But the important thing that we gotta remember is the Spirit of God transcends time. We talk about this a lot. God is not a linear God. God is beyond time, above time, in between time. He's all knowing. He knows the beginning from the end. And yet, the, 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 the interesting theological component of this is he gives us, I would argue, free will. It's your choice. But yet he has his hands over the world. We'll read today, above all, He has his hands. He is the head of the church, Paul says. So we're going to read this. You guys ready? Ephesians, we're still in chapter one. Come on, we're going to Bible school. I'm going to be starting at verse 15, and we're going to end, I believe, at verse 23. It says this, for this reason, we'll discover in a moment why he says that. Ever since I heard about your faith, your faith, and let's contextualize this. This is to coin church right now, okay? He says, Paul's saying, for this reason, ever since I heard about you and Chino and Chino Hills at Coin Church in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, hopefully you got love for all God's people and all people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation if you're taking notes. If you wanna underline that, that's the thesis statement that Paul's trying to share to us. So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, that power Paul talks about is the same as the mighty strength He, God, exerted when he, God, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Verse 21, far above all, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, 2,000 plus years ago, in modern-day Turkey, Western Turkey, Modern day, right? 2,000 plus years ago, but also in the present age. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Don't miss that part. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. When you read that, you're like, okay, that's awesome, man. That's encouraging, but what on earth does he saying? Theologically, what are the ramifications of what Paul is trying to express to us to coin church, but really specifically to the people of Ephesus? It's important to remember. I don't know if, if you've ever had this moment. I grew up in church, so my mom would like force me to, I, she just signed me up to junior high camp. And she was like, hey, Sammy, it's Friday, pack your bags, you're going to junior high camp. See you later. And she would drive me off and take me. I, I didn't even have a choice, right? But I don't know if you grew up in the church or maybe even in, in spheres of the church, have you ever been called on to pray? And it's like, oh man, come on, pastor, really? I remember as a youth pastor, <laughs> I would just pick on the guys that I knew didn't wanna pray. They just, they were there because their mom and dad made them come, right? And I'm like, hey, Andy, go ahead and pray, bro, for, for breakfast. Me? No, no. Come on, Andy, and then, I, and then we're like standing there and it's an embarrassment, right? I'm his youth pastor. Andy, come on, bro, go ahead and pray. And so I don't know if that's ever happened to you, right? What do you do in those moments? Like, what do you pray? Well, I would also argue, I, I know this, this could bring some offense to people, and I'm not trying to judge you, but if you're not praying with God on a regular basis, when you get into those moments, you're not prepared for it, right? And so, but if you look at the Ephesians, starting at verse 15, Paul gives us a great outline on how to pray if you don't know what to pray ever. This is a prayer that Paul as the shepherd and as a pastor is expressing to the people of God. So if you wanna take notes and you just get in a bind, what do I pray about? God, God through Paul says pray about wisdom, right? Pray about revelation. So we're gonna go through that today. It says, for this reason. What is he saying when he says for this reason, verse 15? Well, in the preceding verses right that we just read, we learned last week that God, as he lays down, Paul, as he lays down the foundation of the the, the framework of why we are believers of Jesus and what that even means. We titled it groundwork, right? If you're a wrestler or if you've ever uh, done MMA, you know that groundwork is the most important work because if ever you get in a fight, and hopefully you don't ever get in a fight, eventually it turns to the ground, right? And not only is it groundwork, but it's foundational work, and so we talked about last week Paul saying, hey, I need you to know this, the people of Ephesus, people of Coin Church, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, on route towards just knowing him and wanting to learn more about him, I need you to understand the theological ramifications of why you are, and this is what he says, chosen, you're chosen. He says, you're adopted as a son and daughter, right? And then to just make it more extreme and beautiful, he says you're redeemed. And in that place in culture, there was slavery. Remember, we're just recapping last week. There was slavery in that time of Ephesus, on the poor, kind of like Long Beach, Los Angeles. And slaves would get out of the boat in chains, and a person could come, a rich individual could come, a master could come and say, I wanna buy that individual, but I wanna adopt him into my home. And in the Roman time, when you were adopted, you had a debt that had to be paid. And so the individual that brought you in as a, to, to himself as a father in, in his house, you are now a son or a daughter adopted, but you're redeemed. Redeemed, Paul uses that language, redeemed, meaning all of the debt, all of the past sins, all of the brokenness is wiped away. So what you did last week, last month, yesterday, last night, you're redeemed. You shouldn't keep doing it. If it's a bad habit and it's destruct and it's bringing devastation on your soul, that's a whole other conversation. You know, there's habits, there's instincts, there's things that God wants to bring you out of. But oftentimes what we talked about last week is we don't like to live, right? So saved, sanctified, and set free. We don't don't really live that set free life sometimes because we're We're held back by our brokenness and our past, and we forget that God bought you with a price, and that price that he bought you with sets you free for your present and your future. So now I don't have to live in shame. I don't have to live in condemnation. I don't have to live in brokenness, but I do have to realize I am set free. Does that sound good, class? Come on. We're in, we're, in, we're in Bible school right now. All right, so let's jump into this. For this reason, you're chosen, adopted, and redeemed. Because of this, because you're chosen, because you're adopted, because you're redeemed, and because you have the gift of the Holy Spirit that has sealed you, he says, I haven't stopped thinking about you. Man, I'm praying for you. I'm really praying that God would do something in your life. I'm really praying that God would give you, through the Spirit, wisdom, wisdom, and revelation I want to talk about what that means wisdom and revelation that through the spirit you would get wisdom and revelation. wisdom there's wisdom literatures in the Bible I don't know if you knew that right there's wisdom literature not only does it come from Psalms primarily it comes from Proverbs so if you want wisdom not of this world there is wisdom of this world we know that right what happens when somebody socks you in the face you sock them right back that's wisdom of the world, right? What happens if somebody does you wrong, you do them wrong right back. That's the wisdom of the world. What happens, the list goes on and on and on, and what it is, it's an on and on brokenness. And so the world has its own wisdom, doesn't it? Man, she went and cheated on you, well why don't you go ahead and cheat on her? On her? She went and did that, well, why don't you go and wrong her? I mean, just make it even, right? That's, that's the wisdom of the world. And we can go on and on and on and about all examples, right? But there is the wisdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the wisdom of the world. I've seen what it's done. I've seen how it's broken people. I've seen how it's devastated families. I've seen how it's destroyed children and children's children. I don't want that mess. What I do want is the wisdom of God. And so what Paul says is, I pray. You know my prayer for you when I'm in the circle and the pastor calls on you and you're the junior higher. I'm praying that you have wisdom and revelation. Well, what's revelation? Revelation, is, is, it's like as if we were to go climbing. I don't really climb, I've done it a couple times in Upland, you know those rock climbing things? When you're climbing, theologically, when you're climbing in life, you're trying to get to God. Many of us, all of us, if you're in church, you wanna get more of God, don't you? That's the prayer, that's the reason you're here on Super Bowl Sunday. Go Rams, right? I don't honestly, I don't even watch football, but go Rams because it's LA. (laughs) So, you're here on Sunday morning, on Super Bowl Sunday. You could be doing a lot of other things. You can prepare in the barbecue, you can get the meat, you can get the tortillas, the rice and the beans, you can get the whole shebang ready. But for some reason, you're here on a Sunday morning. That says you want to learn more about God, you want more of God in your life, right? So, revelation is only you and God, it's not secondhand smoke. So what I'm giving to you on a Sunday morning, unfortunately for you, it's secondhand smoke. But for me, hey, baby, I'm getting all of this. I feel good. I'm like, okay, Jesus, I got you. Yeah, I'm going to be chosen, adopted, redeemed. Come on. And I'm receiving it. And I'm living the benefit of it. And I'm, I'm experiencing it. And I, and I love the richness because God is giving me wisdom and revelation. And my job as a pastor is to express that to you. But we don't live in, in 2000. Not even 2,500 years ago, in, in the time of, of the, 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 the reform, the Reformation, meaning in that time, as Constantine established Christianity as a whole and all of the Roman Empire, and you date all the way, there was a moment where only the priest could read the Bible. And only the priest knew how to translate it from Greek and Hebrew into their language. And so the people of god didn't know what the pastor or priest was saying and you know what they would do they would say in order for your abuelita to get to heaven you have to pay a certain amount and then when the chimes ring you know she went to heaven How, how are you supposed to know if you don't know the word of god And so there was a man named Martin Luther, come on, and he got a lot of flack. They wanted him dead. They wanted to kill him. He pushed against the system. He said, no, 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 the people should know what this says. You are redeemed. You're adopted. You're set free. You don't have to pay something to get the goodness of God. It's already yours. And so we're in Bible school right now, and we're learning that it's secondhand smoke. You got to do this on your own. This ought to jumpstart you for the week. This shouldn't be the only time you're reading the word of God. That terrifies me. This shouldn't be the only time you pray. This shouldn't be the only time you worship. This shouldn't be the only time you say, Thank God, thank you so much, God, for who how good you are. It should be every day of your life. Because the wisdom of the world says, Oh, you know what? I became a Christian. I'm just gonna go to church on Sunday, pay my dues, check in, check out, and then let's go Super Bowl. Let's go do our thing. And we live in the wisdom of the world, but then on Sunday, we want the wisdom of God. And we wonder what's going on because we're not living in that set, free, redeemed God. Jesus is like, man, I paid for that already. Why are you living in that? Why are you walking in that? Why are you being like that? Stop living as an old son, live as a new son. Stop living as a broken daughter, live as a new daughter. Come on, I'm preaching this morning, let's go. And, and so, so watch this, I like this one. So imagine we're climbing, and we're trying to get to God, Does, doesn't it feel like sometimes we're doing that? Man, I'm climbing, and I'm doing what I gotta do, and I'm praying, and I'm reading, and I'm, I'm trying to learn, but I'm just not getting it. Seems like Pastor Sam gets it, seems like he's good all the time, not really, right? We all have our valleys and our, our ups and our highs. But after a while, when the habit becomes and the habit becomes, that's all great. After a while, when you read this and you read this and you read this, can I even say that's all great? But if you don't get revelation, it's that moment where I'm ready to get on the top and it feels good to get on the top and you get up. Have you been in the up lane place, the hangar 19? You're like, man, I feel good, I did that really hard one. And you climb all the way. There's a moment in your faith journey that only God can get you to the top. That is revelation, not the pastor, not your husband, or your wife, not your spouse, not your mom, not anybody in your life can get you to a point, as Paul says, to open your eyes. That's between you and God. Why would Paul say then, I really pray that you have wisdom of God, but revelation, revelation. It's important in this day and age, isn't it? it's really easy to blur the line of the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. It's really easy at the end of the day to not have integrity, but we say we have an integrity. It's really easy at the end of the day to say, I know God, I love God, I give to God, I go to church, but in your heart of hearts you have resentment and, and you think evil and you want evil done to one another. Paul says, I want you to have a revelation so that you may, and then this is it right here, this is how you pray, so that you may know him better. So if ever anyone calls on you, say, God, I just pray today you give us wisdom, revelation, and that we would know you better, God. Every day that should be your prayer. That's the homework assignment today because we're, we're in class, right? Every day for the rest of your life, or just try this week, Pray that God would give you wisdom, not from this world, but wisdom from him. I pray all the time, God, give me wisdom beyond my years. I know I don't have the gray hairs, I wish I kinda had the gray hairs, but I don't have the life experience at times. But God, you can give me wisdom beyond my years. When I'm talking to people, when I'm working on issues, when I'm thinking about how to do leadership and when I'm processing how to move forward as a community, God, give me wisdom beyond my years. But more importantly, God, I need your revelation because I don't want no secondhand smoke. I want it directly from you. I want to inhale and exhale you, not somebody else's revelation, your revelation. It's important so that you know him better. Then he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know, watch this, the hope to which he's called you. Did you know, oh, uh, did you know, sorry. (laughs) Santa Ana Wynn's messing my throat up. Did you know, I'm like 13 years old again, come on, pray for me. (laughs) Did you know, I'm like losing my train of thought because that was so so funny. (laughs) Did you you know that God has called you to hope? Man, he's called you to hope. Hope in what? It says the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. Hope, riches of his glorious inheritance. There's an inheritance. Why? Because you're adopted. There's an inheritance. Why? You're a son and a daughter now. Paul lays the groundwork. Don't miss this. Don't be a follower of Jesus for 10 years and not know the inheritance that got you have been given for free. Yeah. That he paid a price for you to own and to walk into and to step into. Hope that he's called you to in an inheritance. And then his incomparably great power. Can we say power? Power for us who believe. This one's interesting to me. He says, I pray your eyes are enlightened. Eyes closed, what does that mean? Well, for Paul, he had his eyes literally blinded on the road to Damascus. He was going to kill followers of Jesus that claimed that Jesus was Lord and Jesus was the Messiah. Right after Jesus died and rose again, Paul, the apostle who was formerly Saul, was going around as the spiritual elite saying, that is not the Hebrew way, he is not the Messiah. If you worship him and if you claim him to be Lord, we're gonna stone you to death. So Saul was on his way to the road to Damascus and what did God do? God brought him revelation, but God also closed his eyes for a moment. He closed his eyes, why did he close his eyes? Because he wanted Paul to understand that only God can open your eyes. (laughs) don't miss this one, only through the revelation of God can he truly open your eyes to the things that are going on in this world. I can't go in depth with it. I don't want to like move too fast on it, but there are certain things that are happening in our world right now. For some reason, God has given us discernment and wisdom, and we have our eyes open to it because God, through his wisdom, has showed us has provoked us, has compelled us. And so I don't know about you, it sounds weird, it sounds funny, but I'm not gonna do that because I got the wisdom of God because I got the revelation from God. I'm not gonna do certain things that the world says to do. I'm not gonna live like the world says to live. I'm gonna give up some things so that I can have the inheritance of God. Can I just, can I get personal really quick? Just real quick. I'm sure this will offend people, but it's not a judgmental thing, because the scripture makes it very clear. For Sammy, my dad always says, when the pastor says that, that, you know, I, so, so you, can, you can block me out right now, but I just got to be honest, right? For Sammy, I have seen what alcohol has done in my family. I have. I've seen it, not through my mom and dad, because my father made a decision, no alcohol in this house. But I saw through my father's eyes what it did to his dad. And what it did to his dad and then I saw through my mom's eyes what it did to her dad and what it did to her father's dad and my father made a decision for us as children we're not gonna drink alcohol and then I had to come of age and make a decision that's no big deal it's not that but do you know we've talked about this what you're struggling with could be your granddaddy's sin and so you want to live set free but you don't realize the sin that's had through generational curses. And so for me in my house, I'll just be honest, I'm not trying to judge you. If you go and drink a beer, go for it. Super Bowl Sunday, go for it if that's what you wanna do. But I just made a decision because I know through God's revelation, at least for me, I don't wanna mess with that stuff. But that's Sammy's personal opinion, so you can jot that out, you can say, ah, oh, I didn't wanna listen on that part but that's my opinion, can I be honest? There's reasons why I've given, the the Bible says that there's there's foolishness to the world when it comes to Christ. It also says all things are are permissible, go and do whatever you want, but not all things are beneficial. So when I want the wisdom of the world, I don't wanna dabble in the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. I wanna be strong and concrete because I know what God wants to do in my life, in my family, in my children, my children's children, and I'm not gonna mess with that stuff. I'm gonna mess with the things of God. I'm gonna get on train with the things of God. I'm gonna ask God to continue as a young, almost 30-year-old, come on, almost 30-year-old, to, to, that God would give me wisdom beyond my years. I don't need the gray hairs, I just need God's wisdom. And so that's what Paul's trying to express. He said, like, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Wisdom and revelation. But he says the hope of his riches, the incomparably great power for us to believe, that power, he says, that power is the same as the mighty strength that God raised Jesus from the dead. We talk about this. This is theology. You have, if you have called Jesus your Lord, you have the spirit of God within you. You are sealed. Did you know you're sealed with the Holy Spirit? And you have hope. That goes into inheritance of eternity. Let me break this down for a second. That doesn't mean that life isn't gonna get difficult. Come on, let's be honest, it can get real hard. It doesn't make sense. The valleys come, the storms come, the winds come, and it doesn't make sense and we're in chaos and we feel like we're in the eye of the storm or we're in the storm and it's hard at times. Jesus said, hey, I gotta be honest, It's in this world there's gonna, be, there's gonna be trouble, but take heart, why? I've overcome the world, why? because I have a hope of eternity and inheritance for your life. What that means is for those that step into the revelation and wisdom of God, when anything comes your way, of course it's difficult. Of course it's hard. Circumstances and outcomes can be really devastating and I don't wanna operate in the wisdom of the world and be frantic and terrified and scared and worried and not know what's up and down and left and right. I, I don't wanna have a chaotic mind, I wanna have a sound mind. So when I know who I am in God that I'm adopted and I'm redeemed and I'm set free and I'm chosen, who, when I know who I am and the wind comes and the circumstance come and the outcomes come, I'm okay, because I have hope a great hope a, a powerful hope and it's anchored in Christ so this is groundwork this is important it says that power is the same strength and then verse 21 this is one's good far above all rule and authority power and dominion what that means let's be real honest here god paul is saying that jesus is above all rule and authority. What does that mean for us today? Well, what does it mean for the Ephesians? Caesar, Nero, Claudius, whoever the Roman emperor was at the time, God, Jesus, is above him. And then it says, above all rule and authority. So at the end of the day, God is above all of that. And then it goes deeper, he says, power and dominion what that means he goes spiritual for a moment he says the physical and then he says the spiritual this is a really important for us we love to talk about angels right we love to talk about light and the good things and cool dreams and the prophetic and all of the powerful gifts of god those are all amazing i want to talk about that all day but we ought not to forget that there is an antithesis to light and it's darkness it's evil. There's an antithesis to the wisdom of God, right? There's an antithesis, there is the opposite. If there's light, there has to be darkness. If there's good, there has to be evil. If there's a God, then there's, right, there's a Satan, There's. A Lucifer, there's an evil one, and we went through that for a long time, right? You just go back on our YouTube or watch that on your own time. We talked about the spiritual forces, but what Paul's trying to share to us, because in the, in the Ephesian world, man, there was weird, crazy stuff going on all the time. They were looking at the God, the God of Poseidon, the God of thunder, they were praying to him. They were literally hurting themselves to get to provoke the gods. They would go and do sexual weird stuff to a particular goddess, so that they would provoke the goddess to give them blessing and to give them knowledge. They were doing some weird, strange stuff, and Paul says, no, you don't get it. Jesus is above all of that. Jesus is above all evil and all darkness and all brokenness, and so that's why my mom, when I was a little boy, said, all you gotta do is say, I bleed the blood of Jesus, or I plead plead the blood of Jesus. I'm like, what on earth does that mean? I'll just say it if it helps me.
1: Right? You're laying
0: in bed at night, <laughs> you're like, what the heck was that, you know, or what's that noise? That's scary, you know, and you shouldn't watch the scary movies, but sometimes, you know, you do, and then you're walking down the hall, and you're like, oh, my goodness, and you're terror. God is above all that. Jesus is above all that. He's above all dominion. He's above all evil, and then to go even deeper. There are people even in this day we talked about that cast spells and that do almonds and that that pray to rocks and they literally, you go, please don't go and do it, go to palm readers. That stuff is evil. Where else do you think they get it from? If there's prophecy in the scripture, that's godness and goodness, there's prophecy in the world and it's evil. It's a real thing. And so we have to remember that God, through Jesus, he's above all. And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, 2,000 plus years ago in Ephesus, but right here, right now. And then in the age to come, he's above all. That's encouraging, that's good word to us. And I wanna read to you how powerful this is. It says, "In every name that invoked and God placed all things under his feet, I'm almost done, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Let me encourage you. I'm gonna geek out just for a moment because we're in Bible school, okay? Says this in Psalms 110.1. Many New Testament authors repeatedly would use this scripture. The scripture is, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. I don't know if you've ever heard that. All throughout the New Testament, different authors are quoting it and quoting it. Why? Acts 2, 34 to 35 says this. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Hebrews 1:13. To which of the angels, which of the angels did God say, sit at my right hand, and I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet? He didn't say that to the angels, he said that to Jesus. Matthew 26, you have heard it said, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Acts seven fifty five. but Stephen, as Paul was going and martyring the Christians that claimed Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, sealed, by the Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Romans eight thirty four. who then, Paul says, is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Colossians 3.1, since then, you've been raised with Christ. You have, me, we've both been raised. If you died, you've been raised again. When you get baptized, you go down, and we hold you down a little longer if it's been bad, and then we bring you back up. And you die to your old self. You die to the brokenness. You die to the shame, and you come back a new creation. Not physically, come on, it's not physically, it's spiritually spiritually. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Where? Seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews twelve two. fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And last one, far above all rule. Here, he says it. Far above all rule, power, dominion, every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but the age to come. Jesus is not just a guy who you put on your necklace, who's on a cross. <laughs> He's the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. There is no other God, lower keys, case G, like him. There are many gods in this world. I hope you know that. Many idols. Many people we aspire to be, many people we look at, many people we desire to be, but there's only one true God, and he's above all, and it's Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of God, and my Bible says that there's going to be a day where he's ready to move, and he's just waiting for the Father, and he sees what's going on, and he's in control, but he's not controlling. He's in control, but he's not going to control you. He says, yeah, I got it, it. yeah, we got it, I see what's going on, I see it, I see it. I'm there, I'm interceding. The spirit of God is is moving throughout the earth and the Bible says that God is looking for those that want revelation and wisdom and to know him better and the spirit of God, as he seals you, he'll give you wisdom and guidance and he'll give you direction, why? Because he wants you to know that you have an inheritance with him. And I don't know about you, but in the book of Revelation, my Bible says that Jesus is coming back. And I don't know if it's a tattoo, I don't know what it is, but it says on his thigh, says Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he's coming back. The author gives this imagery, he says he's coming back on a white horse. What? On a white horse, what does that mean? It's all symbolical language, but he's coming back to conquer what was taken from him. And can I just go deeper for a moment? Just, let me just go deeper, we're done. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Of course God has all power and dominion in the world. Well, pastor, then why is there sickness? Why is there brokenness? Why is there evil? Because in Adam and Eve, there was sin that separated us from God. And the separation from God brought, brought a brokenness in relationship to him. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, Before the foundations of the earth, this is how my mind comprehends it, it was like God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they prepared, the Bible says that the Spirit hovered over the the chaos of the waters. And God said, hey, I need you to know something, Jesus. You already know, but when when we establish this thing, we're gonna give them an opportunity. We're gonna give the people in our image an opportunity to love us. And many won't. That doesn't mean we don't do this, though. I need you to know, Jesus, That one day you're gonna have to set this thing straight because you're my son and it will be your blood because you're eternal that covers all of eternity so there will be a price you have to pay that's why in jesus in the garden of gethsemane he takes his cup and he says father can this cup pass and then he, he comes to his senses and he says "No, no no i know that before the foundations of the earth this must be done why for you and for me He didn't do it for him, he didn't do it for himself, he didn't do it to glorify, he did it so that we would be set free, redeemed and chosen by him. And then I'm done here, here's a theological piece, here's the game changer for you and for me. When we know that Jesus is above the church, it changes things for me personally. It says here, God placed all things under his feet, so the church has authority and power to overcome all opposition. That means if a demon-possessed person walked into this room, they have no power. The the Demonic forces has no power, especially when the people and believers come together, especially when God's moving, especially, it says that the gates of hell can come against and will fight and will push, but will never prevail because Jesus is Lord over the church. Who's the church? You're the church. I'm the church. When we come together, we recognize that. Because her leader, because the Bible says it's the bride, Jesus, is head and Lord over all. Jesus himself had authority. Watch this, don't miss this one. He had authority when he walked this earth because he was under the Father's authority. He always said, I only do what my Father tells me to do. Whatever, Whatever the Father says to do, I'll do. I'm not going to do that yet because the Father said I didn't do that. He was doing his will and therefore had the authority of God, didn't he? This is where it gets good. Such authority he passes on to his disciples, to you and to me, inasmuch as they go out in whose name? His name. Not the governor's name, not an emperor's name, not the pastor's name, in his name in obedience to him and to do his work. And then Matthew says this and we're done. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, verb, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I, Jesus, has commanded to you and surely I am with you always. Cause it's gonna get rocky and it's gonna get hard and it's gonna be dangerous. But I will be with you always to the very end of this age. That's a promise and a seal for you and for me, for the church. So yeah, as a pastor, I love being a pastor over God's church because I know no weapon formed against us will ever come and will ever destroy what God wants to do in this earth. So for Chino and for California, I'm praying that God would bring revival, but we the people must step into the wisdom of God, the revelation, we must know him more and more and more so that the lamp that is within us could shine bright on this world. So here's your homework. Pray often and always. God, give me wisdom beyond my age, revelation that can only come from you. Open my eyes, God, so I can walk in the authority that you have given me. Amen?